coast and floorboards to shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Call us right now with your home improvement question. Call us right now with your do-it-yourself dilemma. The number is one eight 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 Money Pit. We're here to inform, to educate, to inspire you to take on some projects that you need to do around your house, or perhaps a project that you need to do for your friends or your family. And we're here to help you get that project done. But first, we're going to wake you up. Hey, do you need a forceful blast of water to wake you up in the morning? You know, do you need the pressure washer setting on your shower head? Yes, please. But you don't have it because you just get the kind of that lazy flow. Well, we've got a solution coming up where we're going to tell you how to get that great water pressure without spending a dime. And also ahead, you know, as temperatures are dropping, water can also cause major problems if it freezes in the wrong place on your roof. We're going to walk you through the problem of ice damming along with the solution a little later. And we're going to include a tip for those in southern climates about how the very same solution can prevent some pretty serious storm damage. And this hour, we're giving away a copy of our book, My Home, My Money Pit, your guide to every home improvement adventure autographed with your name on it. So call us right now at one eight 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 Money Pit for your chance to win. Let's get right to those phones. Leslie, who's first? Doug in North Carolina is working on a gutter project. How can we help you? Yeah, what I'm con- concerned about is gutter protection. Okay. Down in North Carolina, I've got quite a bit of pine needles and pine leaves, as you might well imagine, and okay. gutters get clogged up rather quickly. I've been looking at a couple of different sources for gutter covers, and I'm not sure that I'm looking at any of them that are any good. So I needed your recommendations. Okay. Well, I mean, there's certainly uh, quite a selection out there. Well, what I've had good luck with is the gutter covers that go across the top of your gutter. And they work on the principle of uh, liquid adhesion. Basically, as water runs down the roof, it adheres to the gutter and falls through slots in the gutter but it pushes the leaves off. It sort of has like a louver design to it so that the leaves wash off and the twigs wash off. Mm-hmm, but the water but the, goes into the gutter. Right. The surface the surface adhesion of the water holds it in and falls into the gutter. And I've actually put one of those up on the side of my house that has a big, big uh, maple tree that drops a lot of leaves. And it's really stood up quite well. Leaves I can put up with. But yeah. it's the uh, it's pine else. needles that... Yeah. Uh, well, I actually wrote, there's actually an article on our website that details every type of gutter cover with some recommendations for each. So why don't you head on over to moneypit.com and search gutter guards worth the cost. And it outlines the six or eight different types of gutter guards there and gives you some suggestions on what might work for specific situations. Okay, so you're suggesting I do a little homework. Yeah, on our site, gutter guards worth the cost. That's the headline of the article. Okay. Just search that on moneypit.com and you'll find it. Or just Google moneypit.com, gutter guards worth the cost, and you'll find it. Let me give it a go and see what happens. All right, great. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. Barbie in Missouri has a question about flooring. How can we help you? Hi, I have a hardwood floor in my kitchen that has um, dirt between the planks and the cracks. Okay. And I wanted to know if I could use a steam cleaner to clean those cracks. Hmm. Uh, I don't think I you want to use steam on a wood floor. Wood floor. Okay. And, and I don't think steam's going to help you get that dirt out. A very powerful vacuum would, and your With typical a correct attachment. Yeah, I mean, a typical your typical residential floor vacuum may not, but but if you were to use a big like wet dry vacuum, that would probably do a lot better job of getting some of that stuff out. What you might have to do is take like a knife, 
And if it's got a bit of a gap, sort of draw the knife down there and break it up a little bit because with everything that gets stuck on a floor, it kind of solidifies that dirt. You may have to loosen it up to get it to lift out. Yeah, it's a big kitchen. Mm. I was trying to find an easy way. Yeah. I don't think you're going to be real happy using a steam cleaner. I mean, it may not hurt it, but I just don't see how it's going to help. I just feel like if you introduce the steam and the moisture and the, and the heat, heat, it's going to just warp and twist yeah. and may cause a whole bunch of other problems. Exactly. Well, I was worried about that, but then I watched the infomercials and, like magic, it cleans it all <laughs> up. <laughs> it's, yeah. that, it's that darn steam buggy. That <laughs> you know how long it took them to get that six-second shot that looks magical? <laughs> Probably a day or two. Okay. All right. All right. Well, thank you. <laughs> All right. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. Yes, as seen on TV is not always as seen in real life. I tell you that commercial though that she's talking about, mm-hmm. it draws you in, and suddenly you're like, I'm going to get this, and then I'm going to clean the top of my stove, <laughs> and then I'm going to do the shower, and then I'm going to do the grout. Yeah. You are tuned to The Money Pit on air and online at moneypit.com. Now, you can call us or email us anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week with your home repair or your home improvement question. We'll give you a hand. We'll tell you what you need to do. We'll walk you through it. We're your home improvement coaches at 1-888-MONEYPIT. 888-666-3974. Up next, ice dams cause millions of dollars of damage every year. Learn how to prevent it from happening to you after this. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. On air and online at moneypit.com. Home improvement question? You got a how-to question? Just give us a call at 1-888-MONEYPIT. If we take your question on the air, not only will you get an answer, you'll, and we hope it's the right answer, <laughs> you will automatically be entered into our prize drawing this hour. We're giving away a copy of our book, My Home, My Money Pit, your guide to every home improvement adventure. It's packed with useful info to help you save money and get your project done right the first time out. The number, again, is one eight 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 money pit That's right. We've got answers. It's not always the answer you're looking for, <laughs> yeah. but we've got answers. Pick up the phone and give us a call. We'd love to hear about your projects. Now, the calendar, what does it say? November? So it's not officially winter yet, but I bet there's snow somewhere out there in this great country today. Now, if you've got snow and you get heavy snow, you know that heavy snow falls followed by some warm days often allow ice to dam up at the roof edge of your house. Now, if it does that, it's going to block that melting snow so it can't run off the roof, and that can cause serious leaks inside your home. So to prevent this, you want to be sure that your roof is adequately ventilated. It always should be anyway. And if you plan on replacing your roof soon, be sure to have a contractor install something called ice and water shield. And that's an extra layer of protection that can help your house not have ice damming. Yeah. Now, if you live in the warmer climates, ice and water shield actually can be very, very helpful. If you if you ever are ready to replace a roof and you live in warmer climates, I would put ice and water shield across my entire roof surface. It is going to be absolutely impenetrable in a severe storm, especially if your roof shingles get ripped off because of high winds. This stuff works great as a way to prevent hurricane damage or tropical storm damage. So ice and water shield works great in the northern climates to prevent ice dams, and in the southern climates, it will prevent water damage from severe storms. 
888-666-3974. Let us help prevent your next home improvement disaster. Call us right now. Who's next? Nick in Texas is looking to put a shed on his property. How can we help you with that? Uh, I just had a quick question about uh, whether it's going to be more worthwhile for me to uh, buy a, a prefab metal shed, and which is going to cost about eight to $10,000, or if I build my own shed, which would be about half that, but to see which one's going to be worthwhile uh, in the future when I sell my house in 10, 15 years. That's one big shed. How big are we talking about here? It's a 25 by 35 foot. Oh, wow. it's a big it's a big building. It's not really a it shed. Is, it, is, it is a big building. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking shed like you're going to fit your lawnmower in yeah. there and that's it, you know. No, no. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's a pretty sizable. Well, you know, those so. the metal buildings that are available today are are pretty cool because they go together very very quickly and I think that they're accepted as as, you know, a normal construction technology and could be compared fairly to a wood frame building. They all, they're both going to start with the foundation. So whether you use a, a metal building or a wood building, I think you're going to get a resale value out of both. Well, I started, uh, we already had the slab down, and right. we, we, um, it was already placed there. And I just looked into the pricing. I've already built one shed with my father on his land, and that went up rather quickly and it's very stable. But I'm trying to decide if I... Is it worthwhile to spend ten to twelve thousand dollars for a metal building with fully finished, or do I spend five or six? And will I get any better return? I, will, do you think I'd actually get an extra ten thousand dollars no. when I sell my house? No, no, I don't. I don't. I don't think. I don't think you get. If you can, if you're telling me you can build the wood shed, the wood building for half the price of the metal building, I don't think you're going to get the difference when it comes time to sell. So maybe that answers your question. Now, you know, if you're built, if you want to build a building that's going to be very sturdy and last for a long time, it can go up very quickly. You can't beat the metal building. But if you're asking about return on investment, I don't think it's going to make a big difference. Okay. So I mean, with uh, with with the wood, do you think we'd get any part of that back when we sell the property? Oh, sure. If you have an additional okay. building on the house, you're going to get a good return on investment. But you know, whether it's metal or whether it's wood, it's not going to make a difference. Jim in Illinois, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? Yes, I got a uh, sump pump I just put in. It's the second one down in the basement uh, because I always was getting water down there. And it's working very fine. But the thing is, it's just pouring out into the backyard. And as you know, everything gets graded off to the side. And my next-door neighbor is getting a lot of the water that's just pouring off to the side. Right. I wonder if there's anything we can do with that. First, let's talk about this wet basement. Is this a situation where the basement gets uh, flooded or the sump pumps run more frequently when you have a heavy rainstorm, Jim? Uh, basically, the only time we that we were having a problem, I, I have, as I said, one sump pump first. And uh, when we used to get that flash flood stuff, then it would uh, fill up. The water, uh, it would actually flood the basement. Okay. Um, the reason that's happening is because there's a problem with your outside drainage. I want to first give you some steps that you can take to reduce the amount of water that's getting to the sump pump in the first place. I want you to look at your gutter system first. Of course, it has to be clean. The downspouts have to be extended at least four to six feet from the house. And you want to try to size up the amount of roof per spout, you don't want more than four to 600 square feet of roof surface per spout. If it turns out you have more than that, you might want to replace the standard four-inch spouts with six-inch spouts, which can take a lot more runoff. 
because we don't want those gutters to overwhelm. If, if we can get as much water as possible that's off that roof away from the house, it's never going to have a chance to go through the foundation wall and end up in that sump pump. And, and I think, you know, it's important when you're dealing with the downspouts to look at where the downspouts deposits all that water that's coming off the roof. You know, a lot of times you'll see that downspout just sort of terminate at the, you know, at the foundation line right there. But you want to extend it out as far as you can, even if you can bury it underground and get it as far away from the house as you can. Bury it underground wouldn't cause any kind of a problem then with it, would it? Well, yeah, you can't just, you can't just bury it and expect <laughs> it to go away. Um, do you have the opportunity to uh, run some pipes underground and have them discharged somewhere where it's not going to flood you or your neighbor out? I would imagine I could, but I, I just would wonder what the cost would be. Well, it's not a hard problem project to do yourself, I should say. You know, um, if and the you pipe buy is relatively inexpensive. Yeah, four-inch PVC pipe. You don't want to buy perforated pipe. You want to buy solid pipe. Pretty inexpensive. Doesn't have to be that deep. It just has to pitch about a quarter inch per foot. And it's best if it breaks out the daylight somewhere where it's going to discharge the water where it's not going to hurt anything. Now, there's also uh, PVC components that are designed to go from a four-inch gutter, uh, a four-inch leader, down to a a round four-inch drain pipe. So they actually make parts for this. Oh, okay. And so if you can get that water away from the house and really manage the, uh, the roof and the surface drainage, then I don't think you're going to have a problem with some pump discharge. And if you do, and you put the underground drains in, you can pipe it into that. Okay, well, I appreciate that. Thank you. All right. Hope that helps you out. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. Heading over to California where Frankie needs some help with a garage floor. Welcome, Frankie. Enjoy your show. Thank you. What can we do for you today? Well, I have a crack in my garage floor that started probably about seven years ago. Very small right at the entrance of the door about halfway up a two-car garage, uh, right where the driveway meets the floor. Okay. And it has gradually worked its way all the way to the back, Mm -hmm. to the pillar where the hot water heater sits. All right. And how wide is this crack, Frankie? It's probably about a quarter of an inch. Well, have you tried to fill it with anything? I had a fella come out uh, three years ago. I had a new driveway put in. Yes. And they ground down the crack and put a, uh, like a sealer thing in it. Mm-hmm. But it didn't seem to do much good. Okay. Well, what you want to use is something called an epoxy patching compound. Uh-huh. And that's something that's going to be somewhat flexible, and it will expand and, cont- and, and contract with the driveway. And that should at least stop water from getting in there. You know, you could be getting water in there that's freezing and expanding and causing it to move. The thing about the garage slab is that it's not structural, even though we all think it is. You know, it's really just a covering on the dirt. It's not really what's holding up the house. It's really only holding up itself. And unfortunately, many times they're put in improperly. They're not reinforced correctly. And as a result, you get these shrinkage cracks or expansion cracks that form. So they're not, I'm not concerned structurally, but at least to try to seal it, I would use an epoxy patching compound or I would use a flowable urethane compound. All right. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Susie in North Dakota needs some help with a leaky roof. Tell us what's going on. Oh, I've been here 13 years, and this flat roof is driving me nuts. Okay. I had half lap put on it, still leaked. I put hot tar on it. I had the overhangs enclosed, and the last application was 
spray foam that was supposed to be guaranteed not to leak for 10 years. Uh-huh. First time first time it rained, it leaked. Oh, boy. Have you been having a time of it with these roofers? Have they been coming back and living up to warranties, or what's the situation there? Oh, I can't talk about that. It's in court. <laughs> it's that bad, oh. huh? All right. Now, what kind of house do you have? I bought two old churches. Okay. And this flat roof is in between them. Mm-hmm. So are you getting water that's, like, dumping on from both sides? No, I have commercial eaves. Okay. Okay. But the flat roof section is in between two buildings. Is that what's going on? Yes. All right. Well, if you've been putting stuff on top of this and it's still leaking, you're probably at the point now where everything needs to be stripped down to the frame. And once you do that, then it can be specced out for a, a brand new roof. Uh, when you're trying to decide what kind of roof that you're going to use, you're probably going to either do a built-up roof, and if you do a built-up roof, it's going to be at least a five-ply, not a three-ply. And if not, you might want to consider a rubber roof. Now, a rubber roof is a good option because once it's sealed in place, it's totally impervious to water. I mean, and it lasts a really long time. But to try to, exe- to deal with an existing roof that's had so many applications of so many different products, you know, you are doing nothing but masking the problem. And I think that if you got this stripped down uh, and started from scratch with a good quality roofing company that delivered on a good quality warranty on top of the work, that's the only way you're going to get this thing to stop once and for all. You are tuned to the Money Pit on air and online at moneypit.com. Up next, holiday home security. You know, burglaries often increase during these holiday months. So we're going to have some information for you on secure entry systems for your home after this. Solutions Live. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Hope you are enjoying your pre-holiday festivities. You know, speaking of holidays, uh, one thing is pretty consistent about this time of year. Burglaries always go mm. up. It's kind of crazy. I mean, people are away. Uh, there's extra stuff in the house. There's gifts. And we always hear about somebody's holiday cheer being absolutely ruined because their house was broken into. So it's a really good time of year to think about how you can improve your own personal home security. Mm -hmm. Well, one way you can do that is with the right front entry door for your house. So here to tell us about some great options, we've got Derek Fielding from Thermatrue. Welcome, Derek. Thank you, Tom and Leslie. So, Derek, um, fiberglass doors are actually pretty sturdy doors. And I think some people don't realize that these doors can actually even be stronger than steel. How is that possible? Well, with a fiberglass door, they're built with, you know, very durable materials. And when you combine the strong materials with the structural integrity of the door, we actually get a door that um, actually has exceeded some of the toughest forced entry tests in the marketplace um, in accordance with the ASTM testing. Yeah, and I think uh, the multi-point locking system is pretty innovative. Uh, The best way to describe this is to think of the way a bank vault door works, Mm. where you have pins that shoot out the top, the sides, and the bottom. And man, once this door is set, nobody's getting through it. That's right. We, we have two actually options that you could use. You have the multi-point locking system, which engages the door and the frame really at three different points. Mm-hmm. So typically when you have a forced entry occurrence, 
people generally put the force right around the lock set, which then causes that to break out. Right. So having that multi-point lock, engaging at three points of the door, you know, towards the top, the middle, and the bottom, that helps, you know, distribute the force throughout the door, which keeps it nice and secure. The other thing that we also have is a proprietary adjustable security strike plate, which wraps around the jam. So instead okay. of just having your strike plate that you screw into the frame, this mm-hmm. actually wraps the whole way around the jam, which gives that extra security against that forced entry. Yeah, it's always amazing that, you know, people put so much thought and energy into buying Choosing a, a door. big honking wood or steel door and ignore the fact that it comes with the tiniest little <laughs> strike plate and the shortest little half-inch screws that right. provide absolutely no security protection. If you really want that, you should go with a fiberglass door for that and lots of other good reasons. And, you know, exactly. Derek, one of the things that always makes me nervous about a door, especially when people choose a door, you know, that might be very decorative, perhaps with glass in the center, or chooses an entire front entry system that maybe has side lights on either side of the door. I always think about, you know, an intruder just busting through the glass and then reaching their hand around and unlocking the door, essentially, from the outside. So what are sort of the advancements that we should be thinking about when selecting a door that has a lot of glass? Well, one of the fairly new-to-the-market solutions which we've come out with is impact-rated decorative glass. Mm-hmm. And, and what impact-rated decorative glass gives, it gives you more. Uh, it really was designed for severe storms. So if you think about hurricane-related areas where you have windborne debris that's flying and you know, breaking through glass. So this glass has been designed to help protect against you know, different debris coming through the glass. So if you imagine that in the front of your home and someone trying to break through that, that glass will actually withstand up to, you know, someone trying to, you know, throw something through there to break that glass to unlock your door set. We're talking to Derek Fielding. He's with Thermatrue Doors about the safety and security that a new front door uh, could offer you. Derek, while we have you, I want to talk to you a bit about patio doors. They're sort of perceived very often as the weakest link uh, mm-hmm. in a home's exterior shell. Yeah, but uh, they don't necessarily have to be, do they? I mean, have the doors gotten better over the years where they can be just as secure as, say, a front door? Exactly. You know, there's several advancements in the patio market as well. You have those multi-point locks, which can be used in patio door systems. So you can get that real nice, secure um, fit there. We also have the impact-rated uh, product as well that you can use in um, flush glaze solutions for patio so patio doors really have come a long way as well, and there's, um, there's also different security options you could use in terms of, you know, foot, dead, uh, foot bolt, uh, which will screw into the frame down below. So lots of different little things you can add to that door for safety and security. Um, you know, Derek, I think it's a really interesting time of year when you start thinking about making home improvements, and I know that fiberglass doors are just beyond energy efficient when you start thinking of them in comparison to any other door material. Do they qualify for tax credits? Because I know they go through 2010, so if you're going to do it, do it now. Let's say that's a great point. Virtually all of the Thermatrue fiberglass doors do qualify for the new energy tax credit. And you can visit Thermatrue.com to get a list of all the doors that qualify and those that do not. And we also have a microsite called MyEnergyTax.com, which is what uh, anyone could go to to learn more information about which doors will qualify and which doors won't qualify. But what this is great is um, they can get up to 30% of the value of what they purchased um, back as a tax credit at the end of the year. So that's a pretty good deal because the government is helping to pay for the safety, the security, and the curb appeal that you're going to gain exactly. from exactly. installing a new entry door. Derek Fielding from Thermatrue, thanks so much for stopping by the Money Pit. Great information on why a fiberglass door makes a lot of sense for us now more than ever. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. All right. Still ahead, how to get your water pressure back for that refreshing morning shower. Stick around. Money Pit. 
The Money Pit is brought to you by the new Rheem Heat Pump Water Heater. It's easy to install and more than twice as energy efficient as any standard electric water heater. The new Rheem Heat Pump Water Heater qualifies for federal tax credits. For more information, visit www.reemhpwh.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Hey, you guys listen to us. We know you love the Money Pit. But wouldn't it be great to keep us right there next to you when you're working? Well, big surprise, folks. You can, especially if you win today's prize. We are giving away a copy of our book, My Home, My Money Pit, your guide to every home improvement adventure. And our book is packed full of the same kind of advice that we give you on the radio show each and every week. And we're sure you'll refer to it again and again. Heck, I do. When we wrote the thing, I'm always looking back at it. <laughs> one well, you wrote of, it down so you don't have to memorize it. Leslie. I know. Seriously. It's one of those things where I'm like, ah, oh, no, I emptied out my brain that one day when we wrote this book. So let me go back to it. Now, one caller that we talked to on the other hour is going to get one completely for free and be full of great answers for any home improvement question that your neighbors might ask you. So give us a call at 1-888-MONEYPIT for your chance to win. 888-666-3974. Well, if you've lost that loving feeling for your morning shower because of low water pressure, there are several things you can do. Here's some tips courtesy of the experts at Moen. First of all, One is really easy. It's not going to cost you a dime. You can try cleaning the shower head with a vinegar solution. What happens is if you have a lot of mineral deposits in your water, if you have a fairly hard water, they tend to cake up inside the tiny holes of the shower head. But if you remember science class, you can get rid of those mineral deposits with vinegar. Mm. So if you create a solution of vinegar and water, you don't even have to take the shower head apart. You can basically take like a, a baggie of vinegar and water and pull it up into the shower head, tie it off and just let it sit there for a while. That will melt all of those mineral salts away the first time. You know what? And instead of using a rubber band, you can use one of those plastic zippers to hold that bag in place. Mm -hmm. That's an excellent use for those. And I'm sure you've got them kicking around your house. I know we do. You know, also, you might want to consider replacing your shower head with one that's WaterSense certified. Now, the WaterSense certification, that's something that's similar to the Energy Star rating system. And it's going to give you the water pressure that you need, but not allow you to use excess water. But you will get a great shower. I promise you that. Now, Moen makes several shower heads that feature the water sense certification so head on over to moen.com and you can look up the products check them out there's really beautiful ones available and excellent finishes so you know you'll be saving water saving money and still getting that fantastic pressure full shower let us help you save some money on your next home improvement projects call us right now at 1-888 money pit greg in illinois is thinking about a tankless water heater how can we help you with your decision Yes. Um, hello. I just want to say I love you guys' show. Thanks. Great. Um, our home, it, it was built in 1997. We got a 2000 uh, waterless or a, a tankless water heater. Okay. Yeah, it would be hard to have a waterless water heater, wouldn't like, it? Like, that would be amazing. You'd save a lot of water, but you wouldn't get very clean. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a two story home, and it, it runs uh, two to three minutes for any hot water comes on. Okay. So the bath. They're both on the second floor. Right. So we don't understand how this is energy efficient Yep. when you're wasting the water. Sure. Well, the fact that you have a tankless water heater means that you are heating the water very efficiently. The fact that you have to wait two to three minutes 
for the water to get hot is something that would happen regardless of whether you had a tank or a tankless unit by virtue of the fact that you have a certain distance between the plumbing fixtures in the bathroom and where that water heater is located. Now, the advantage that a tankless water heater would give you would be that because these units are so small and easy to install, you could actually zone the hot water in your house and have a second tankless water heater on the second floor nearer to the baths. And in that case, you would get water rather instantly as soon as you turned it on. But if you simply have to push out all of the water that's in the pipes from the basement to the second floor, that's going to take a couple of minutes to get hot. And that is an, is an inefficiency you would have regardless of what type of appliance you have. You understand? I understand. Yeah, that makes total sense. Yes. Thank you very much for you guys' time. It really uh, helps me out a lot. And, Greg, you know what you can do so you don't feel so guilty about that water? You can take some pitchers and fill them up with that water and use it to water the plants. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) All right, Greg, we've got uh, several articles about tankless water heaters online at moneypit.com. Thanks so much for calling us at 1-888-MONEYPIT. Shirley in Virginia, you've got the Money Pit. What can we do for you today? Uh, yes, uh, I'm calling. We have an older home. It's a brick home, and uh, the kitchen cabinets have an odor to them. It smells like old wood. Uh, we have had them newly painted. It was professionally done, and it still smells, and it seems like it makes the food taste. Is there any? Uh, we've tried Clorox and everything, and we can't seem to get this odor out of them. Have you tried baking soda? Yeah. Yes, I have, and that helped some, but it still didn't, you know, take all the odor out. Now, when you painted the cabinets, were they primed with an oil-based primer? Uh, Yes, they were professionally done. You know, they look great, and we've talked about even taking them out, but we hate to do that because we know it's a lot more expense. Mm -hmm. What about... um And the interior is painted, correct? Yes, it is. Surely, there's a great website. It's called PaintedSensations.com. And there you can get different types of scented additives that can be added to your normal paint. And that scent is going to linger for about 12 months. So make sure you follow the directions on how to mix it in the paint. Because I guess in a a closed-off space like a cabinet, that could be overpowering as well. But it might sort of help to cancel out. You know, maybe there's an option there that's more of a a neutral sort of fresh scent that you could get. Certainly do appreciate your help on that. You're welcome, Shirley. Thanks so much for stopping by the Money Pit on air and online at moneypit.com. Now, here's a question that we hear a lot. To insulate or not to insulate? And how exactly do I do that? Well, one listener has that exact question, and we're going to help them out when we come back. You're in the Money Pit! Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And, you know, we know a lot of you guys out there are talking about green, going green, being green. How do I get to be green? Oh, this product says it's green. Well, all of that right there is called greenwashing. You're hearing a lot of stuff, but maybe it's not all making sense. So if you head on over to moneypit.com, we've got a lot of information there about what is actually green, what is hype, and what actually actually helps. So head on over moneypit.com, search green products in our ideas and solutions section, and you will learn everything you need to know so you can be as green as Senor Kermit. When, while you're there, click on Ask Tom and Leslie and send us an email question just like Tom did in Rhode Island. 
That's right. Tom writes, I have a Cape Cod that was renovated and dormers were added to expand the upstairs living area. The house is insulated, but while re-roofing, I noticed that the space between the second floor and the ceiling from the first floor is not insulated. Should the space be insulated or should it remain open for ventilation? Well, the rule of thumb, Tom, is that you only insulate between a conditioned and an unconditioned space or a heated and an unheated space. And since you added a second floor now, essentially, uh, you do not insulate the ceiling between that space. But I will tell you that in a Cape Cod, typically you can get a lot of heat that comes in the eaves at the edges of the roof and actually will travel underneath that floor. It's more of a problem in the wintertime. So make sure you put in some uh, baffles or some blocking so that you don't get air that goes essentially under the second floor from one side to the other because that can really raise the cost of cooling uh, the second floor of a Cape Cod, which traditionally is very, very expensive. But insulation, you don't need. All right, now we've got one from Norman in New York who writes, how can I safely remove the light green stain on the cedar exterior of my house? Yeah, well, that's probably uh, mildew that's building up there on that, Norman. And the first thing is to improve the conditions that surround your house so you don't get that. And typically, if you can let some additional light in there by turning back some trees, that'll go a long way to stopping that. But the simple solution is simply to mix up some bleach and water. Bleach and water solution will do a really good job of taking that green away. And you want to cover the plants so you don't sort of you know mm. kill them with bleach. But bleach and water will take that green away. You can even add some bleach with a pressure washer and clean it that way. But just be sure to use a gentle setting. Mm-hmm. And you know what, Norman, this is something you're going to have to do from time to time. So figure out what works best for your house and then keep that solution handy because you'll use it again. Well, after the holidays, there are usually some leftovers that stay behind and sort of take over your fridge. We're talking mm. about your food. Now's a good time to clean that out and freshen up this hardworking appliance. Leslie tells you how in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. That's right. Your fridge, it's there. It does a tremendous amount of work for you and your family. But if you don't tend to your fridge every now and again, you are going to be very sorry. So let's talk about your fridge. We're looking at the insulating material in your fridge. It's made of foam. And once that absorbs those foul odors, there is absolutely no way to get rid of them. So you want to clean up any spills that happen in your refrigerator immediately. Do not let them sit there. Wipe them up as soon as they happen. You also want to clear out leftovers once a week or so. You don't want to keep something in there more than I would say three or four days. As my grandma used to always say, when in doubt, throw it out. You also want to check out your condiments. Are they old? They're dated for a reason. Look at them. Just the other day, I opened up a can of Ready Whip. It was from July. I (laughs) ate it anyway. Okay, don't be like me. So check the dates, chuck them. If you want a fresh smelling refrigerator, empty your fridge, clean all the surfaces with a solution of water and baking soda, Then soak a paper towel with vanilla extract. It's delicious. It will make you think of cookies. And leave it in your refrigerator overnight. Come morning, you will be greeted with that fresh, delicious scent. And then you'll probably bake something because the vanilla will do that to you. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Coming up next week on the program, we'll have tips on how to prep your lawn and garden for the cold. We're going to get expert advice on how to winterize your shrubs on the next edition of the Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Money Pit!